And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and the Premiership season is over. Although, if you're an Aberdeen fan, never fear. Next season could be starting up again in a couple of weeks. Yes, the great and the good from around Europe will be stopping by at Rugby Park and getting their hands on a slice of Kelly pie. At the bottom, Ziggy played the star for Hamilton, and that means St Mirren have a dreaded date with Dundee United. The playoffs are done and dusted in the lower leagues as Cove Rangers eliminate the only English club in the SPFL. Queen of the South breathe a huge sigh of relief while the Bully Wee are now up to level 3. It's the end of term and today we've all brought our 11s in. We've watched a lot of Premiership football this past year and we'll be picking our totally Scottish team of the season. That's a team based on who's good at football, not who's good at being Scottish. Alongside me, a man who'll be picking a team that can defend in a low block. From the Telegraph, it's JJ Bull. I absolutely will not be picking a team that depends on a low block. And next to him, someone whose team will probably be a bit more continental, European football journalist Kieran Canning. My entire team has been picked by the sporting director. (laughs) 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 JJ, you have been vocal about referees on this podcast before, but you are not willing to take a stand. But John Robertson is. Well, I mean, I'm not. If I was in the position to. Maybe I would. You're sitting there. You don't right know now. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. The MS Cali Thistle boss said the arrogance of Scottish officials is a disgrace after he was sent to the stands in their playoff defeat at Dundee United. And Robertson said, I'm happy to go all the way with it. This can't go on. Robertson was sent to the stands for flicking a water bottle in the direction of the fourth official. Mostly it was a penalty decision in the Dundee United game against Cali Thistle that set Robertson off. I think it was the, the dual effect of there was also a sending off in the first leg. Yeah. And in both games, it was very evenly matched and Inverness were in the game until in the first leg they lost the man in the second leg, they gave away a penalty. And yeah, when your whole season, you know, these playoff games, when you've, you've worked throughout 10 months to get to that point in the season and then it hinges on very sort of fine margins and decisions that go one way or the other. Even things like little throw-ins and little free kicks were just going in the way you wouldn't expect them to and the players were losing their heads as well. Where Robertson like really went for it though was he claimed that because he'd kind of flicked this water bottle, he was sent to the stands and at half time the referee and the fourth official are, are telling him that, you know, he's lost the plot, he's raging and all this kind of stuff, and he was like, That just not is not the case. And he called the fourth official a liar, like came out yeah. national radio and twice actually said that he's a liar. So it'll be interesting to see now what punishment comes his way and what, you know, evidence he could offer to counteract that. When we say flicking a water bottle, what did he actually do? Did he have it in his hand or did he just kick it? It was on the floor, um, but he kind of, yeah, just flicks it and it kind of hits the back of the leg of the fourth official. But it's not like he's like absolutely volleyed it into the back of him. <laughs> yeah. um, but because it's a theatre of football, you then have to act the drama. What, what I was disappointed about was that the fourth official like didn't go down, like clutching the back of his leg, <laughs> just like rolling round. Do you know what Robertson could have done? No, he just, went a... to the, he just went to the head teacher and, and grasped on him. It is so much like that, though. What Robertson could have done, based on um, what's happened to John Flanagan, i.e. nothing, is uh, smash the referee in the, in the face <laughs> with his forearm. <laughs> yeah. John so the referee saw John Flanagan put his forearm into the face of Scott Brown. It's the clearest red card you can possibly see. The only debate is whether it was a penalty or not. Based on, I, I mean, he got the decision right, but I don't think that's through skill I think that was largely luck maybe he had it in his periphery I'm not giving him justice however John Flanagan didn't get any punishment whatsoever it's violent conduct 
That's right. what it goes down to, violent, violent conduct. So, yeah, it is a bit of an odd one, don't you think? I this, mean, we've had we've we've seen a, a number of odd decisions from the the judiciary panel. It doesn't make any sense. It's totally random. It's basically, I think they're just gonna have to like tear it up and start again because all problems this season stemmed from Morelos's red card on the first day of the season that was overturned. Yeah, and now we've ended the season with a similar incident where it's been overturned and no one really knows why. I think they're just gonna have to like start afresh next season and say, right, we're gonna live by the rules that the rest of the world implement and not yeah, our mass that's it. Scottish and, like, football To be rules. clear, it's not like, I've often, if some people, especially on Twitter, have got some idea that I'm always against the Rangers decisions. The same thing happened with like Gary Dicker for Killy. Like, it's not fair to teams who have to deal with this. Aberdeen had one against Killy, again, where, uh, where Devlin uh, gets sent off for pulling Brophy back at the halfway line. There's no consistency in the refereeing whatsoever. Each referee is different to the next one, but the ref- same referee is different to himself within 10-minute periods. But it's not even that. Like, so those inconsistencies have can, have gone on for generations, right? We're mm. Almost as, not as infuriating as it can be, we're kind of used to that. What's different and seems to be different in Scotland, pretty much anywhere in the world, is that these reviewed decisions and what's picked up after the game no one knows one what's going to be cited, and two, no one knows even once it's been cited if you're going to get a ban or not. Yeah, it's been the worst season of refereeing I've ever seen in any competition. Like it's the standard is worse than in gladiators. Power for Kelly played into the path of O'Donnell who goes down penalty. Penalty to Kilmarnock. Eamon Brophy for Kelly here. It's uh, a big moment. Brophy comes forward. It's into the bottom corner. Eamon Brophy scores for Kilmarnock. 2-1 and that could be the goal that seals third place and Europa League qualifier On a dramatic final Sunday of the season a late Eamon Brophy penalty secured a 2-1 win for Kilmarnock over Rangers which confirmed the return of European football to Rugby Park Basically the same thing happened to Rangers as what happened to them last time they beat Celtic they come to Rugby Park and they lose to Steve Clarkside again their season does consist of about four games. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's that they're it, desperate to win. Rangers have been on a phenomenal run of form, the kind of consistent form Rangers fans would be expecting throughout the season. But this is the best run they've been on, and Kilmarnock have done what they've done quite a lot to Rangers this season. Yeah, well, if you look at the league results, I know Rangers put them out of both cups, but the league results, Kilmarnock won the two games at Rugby Park and the two games at Ibrox were draws. I mean, that goes to show how how difficult Rangers have found it against them. Obviously, there's some mitigating circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, they changed the team quite a lot from the the Celtic game. Gerard was talking about five or six changes. I think yeah, there's guys there that he wanted to protect. Morelos came back as well, yeah, didn't yeah. he? And scored. I mean, had the sort of typical Morelos game where missed a couple of chances, scored a great goal, didn't get sent off. That was only the only change. And then at the end, the game actually seemed to be not petering out to one-one, but it seemed it was that's the way it was going to go, and Kamarnock were just going to miss out. And then they get that break with the the penalty, which is one of those where there is a tug on the shirt, but O'Donnell also throws himself. So I think it's a penalty. It does seem like it. I it's, think it, it gives it gives the referee a decision to make. I mean, there was question marks on Barisic's Bona Barisic's performance all game. To make. No, well, yeah, of course, but you know, you want to not give them a decision to make. If you being know what a I mean. referee gives them decisions to make, <laughs> it comes back to something we've said before this season, particularly with the Scottish referees. That yes, O'Donnell made the most of it, but you have to to get the penalty. Yeah, referees won't give if he if O'Donnell just stays up and his shutters pulled, he won't give the penalty. So he knows he has to throw himself, and that's the only way to. Uh, and it, it rewards diving because 
you're not going to get the penalty for being honest. Kelly finishing third is absolutely brilliant. It's consider where Steve Clark, who's a very good manager, has taken them from all the way down where they were up to finishing third. They are absolutely definitely the third best team in the league this season. Yeah, well deserved. And um, we're joined once again by Barry Richmond from the Kelly Trust, who wasn't too confident heading into this game when we spoke last week. What was the atmosphere like? Because we, we spoke last week about um, Rangers fans being limited uh, ticket-wise. What was the atmosphere like at Rugby Park? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think the directors were completely justified in the decision they had made to give three stands back to you know, the home fans. There were 12,500 12, nearly there or something like that, which is more than there was the last time in the last game we had it at home at Rangers or Celtic and you know they had both ends at that time so I mean I know it's a bit different it's the end of the season game and Europe was in you know there's an opportunity maybe to get there and stuff like that but hopefully even if we can carry some of that through you know throughout the season and we gain some more fans back again then I think we'll be in a situation now where I can afford to do it all the time next year and it was a quite emotional time for the fans and Steve I tell you I've never seen a manager leaving under good circumstances before <laughs> I mean, he could have walked in water yesterday as far as anybody was, was concerned and you know, it wouldn't have surprised anybody whatsoever. He's down as a bit of a club hero now, can he? Because like, Kelly are sort of set in that top three bit and if he um, if he stayed longer, they could well have not been able to replicate it next season on. So he'd surely leave in really high regard from Kelly fans. What are you trying to say here? That, that's as good as it was going to get, so he's better out with like <laughs> No, more like, no, what do you I, think his legacy will be? Like, what will I remember him for? Is he going to go down as a Achille uh, hero? You know, he's, he's not just... I mean, it's what he's did for the club is far wider ranging than just get us into Europe in, in, in the third place. The directors have obviously got a bit of money by that they paid Steve, so we'll have an attractive salary to attract a new manager. People will see what Steve's done here and they've seen what's capable and they've seen the players that we've got and they've seen how the club's been run and how Steve appreciates the board and all that kind of stuff. And that should be an attraction in its own to get somebody in new. I'm not going to say they'll be the same standard as Steve. I would hope they'd be just as good. Hopefully, I mean, well, always, everybody's obviously only going to hope that kind of thing, but you just need to wait and see. I think that's the problem. But based on that, though, do you think it's going to be a bit of a poison chalice for whoever comes in? When we always talked about, for example, like whoever came in after Ferguson at United, it was an impossible job, and that being third in the league, it's going to be almost impossible to to beat that going forward. I think third is as good as we could get, given you know the logistics, everything like that, the finance that blows. Me just saying, when what happens at that level of the game, and obviously we're not in the same league. Is the two Glasgow teams in terms of finance anyway whoever comes in has got such a support round about them now and I mean, I mean Steve Clark's only one guy don't get me wrong he was a huge factor in what we've done at Kilmarnock this season absolutely huge but we've still got all the players there he's been sure that the majority of them are all signed up again for next season He's still talking to the directors as far as I'm aware. You know, he's not quite gone yet. And even if he does go, I'm quite sure that he'll have plenty of time in his hands being a Scotland manager to help out if needs be here and there. And I wouldn't put it past them to have a say, actually, in who the next guy comes in and takes over for him. Well, regardless of the Steve Clark situation, just sum up the, the emotion of the day clinching a European place from where Kilmarnock were before Steve Clark to now. Just sum up that emotion for us. I'm old enough to remember when we did it regularly. <laughs> so I'm trying to put it from somebody's perspective who's followed us for the last 20 years and never really knew. Qualify for Europe. I mean, at one stage we were 
you know, it was blase. If you missed the next European game, it didn't matter because there was going to be one after it. I think it's it's almost like rediscovering it again. You just kind of took a step and look at the smile in people's faces and to understand what it meant to them. And it obviously was the same for us back in the day as well. But rediscovering that again. I, I hope all these people who came to see that and seen what it was like are going to start coming back in a, a more regular basis because the, the worst times that you have makes the good times better. You know, it's... It just it makes it all worthwhile. I mean, two years ago, we get beat for air down there. And I've never seen so many people as low. And, you know, it wasn't a major disaster or anything like that. But we've been to the bottom level and the bottom league. And we've rose all the way back. And hopefully our club can get to the fourth and actually change and stuff and make it more exciting for people again. Because to see people yesterday getting excited about getting to the top of the league and, well as far as we can get anyway, but to continue to come back and to appreciate the game and see Scottish football at its best like that, I think we need to change it so that we can get more of this kind of stuff. Last question for you. Have you got your passport ready? <laughs> yes. I sent away for it two weeks again. I just noticed that it was running out. You're going to get caught out by Brexit. That's no? right. Every Kelly fan, make sure your passport's all right. In my time at Kamala Football Club, I'm sorry I didn't win your trophy. But I'm telling you now, as I stand here in front of three stands with Comarlo supporters, bye-bye Rangers. And next season, next season, make sure when they come, it's bye-bye Celtic as well. Well, bad news for Barry. The Comarnock fan is without Steve Clark for next season because he's just been announced as the new Scotland manager. As we record. Yep. That's incredible Breaking news. news for us, not for you guys who are listening, because you're listening to it like... It makes Tuesday. the podcast an odd medium for deliver breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys, Steve Clark, Scotland manager. We're all happy, right? Yep, I've yeah. already booked myself up for Euro 2020. We're there. That's it's done. Good. It's well deserved, right? It, it, oh, without a doubt, he's the, the he was the number one candidate for most fans. Maybe not Rangers fans. <laughs> Undoubtedly, in terms of... When you look at what he's done at Kilmarnock, in terms of working with the players... Largely that he already had and improving them and putting them in a structure and organising his team to make them difficult to beat. Everything that Scotland needs to be going forward in these like first to qualifying campaign and if we don't get through that, then the uh, the playoffs. But that's how you play international football. You make yourself, if you're not very good. We've got some decent players to be to be clear, but uh, Scotland's not a very good football team. It, basically, everyone else is better players. So. To win games, you need to make sure you don't lose them first. <laughs> as boring good, as that good is. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that is uh, the 101. Be don't yourself. lose, guys. That's what Steve Clark will be saying in the dressing room. Please. <laughs> On his knees. I gave up everything for this. But you can play you can play the same way he plays at Killy, even. Like, he knows how to set it up. You just give yourself either uh, walls of uh, four that people can't get past, or you play with a four and a five. Yep. So all you need to do. You've got Andy Robertson left back, great player. You've got Ryan Fraser somewhere else. Let them do the stuff. He'll have them nailed down defensively and you take your chances when you get them. Well, listen, I think he opens up his account as manager against Cyprus. Um, and then he's got Belgium to look forward to. So competitive games straight away. Easy six points. Do you know what? Knowing Steve <laughs> Clark. Nah. I hey. bet you, I bet you. I'm feeling confident about this. I bet you. Nah, we won't get six points. No, no. But I reckon... all, basically, we just need to beat Cyprus, right? No one is going to... As- any chance at all away to Belgium, right? That is a write-off. They may as well Cyprus is at home, isn't it? Beat Cyprus and then send all our players off to the beach, right? There's no point, right? And, and Cyprus. Kind of game, that Belgium one, but yeah. we have to beat Cyprus at home. That is the most important bit. 
You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. We should move on to a side that were vying for that third spot. Aberdeen played their part. They came from behind to win 2-1 at Hibs, a result that would have taken them into the top three had it not been for Brophy's penalty. Um, Sam Cosgrove got his 21st goal of the season in all competitions, but missed a penalty to share the golden boot. Of course he did. JJ. Uh, wouldn't be Aberdeen without it, something like that. Do you think it- he'll still get a Ballon d'Or? He already has it In the hearts and minds He doesn't win the actual prize But he's won the Ballon d'Or of the heart But there's Uh, there's an interesting Kind of um, curveball here For Aberdeen fans Aren't there Because they could still Reach Europe If Celtic beat Hearts In the Scottish Cup final Then Aberdeen will go into The first qualifying round With the draw date At the moment Is 18th of June So the first leg is The 11th of July (laughs) So It's about Three weeks off Maybe this is only if Celtic beat Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. Yeah, and if right? they don't, then Aberdeen season is well. You'd have to say a bit of a failure, a cup final, a semi-finals, all right, but falling apart. Massive rebuilding job on there, as you said before. This was Graham Shinney's last game for Aberdeen, wasn't it? It was. He's last off to Derby. Ever, he's now going to Derby, who might be a Premier League team. <laughs> so you'll get him back in loan. Well, <laughs> August thirty first. <laughs> genuinely, there's a chance that Aberdeen do get him back on loan. I mean. It depends where he fits into Derby. Surely not. It would be in January if he wasn't getting a game, but I think he will get in the team. But then that means next year you're going to have Kenny McLean and Graham Shinney both in the Premiership. So you've got to have, if Derby go up, obviously, and if they don't, it'd be John McGinn in the Premiership, which would be pretty cool. But what you've got is a... So Aberdeen are losing players like that stature, and they're just basically impossible to replace. Mm-hmm. And um, they've fallen behind... Like, I think Steve Clark has sort of raised the bar in, in the Scottish Premiership as to what clubs can do, how they can set up tactically, what they can achieve with limited resources and make the best use of that. But before him, Derek McInnes sort of set, I would say, a similar bar. They're all at the bar together. Neck and pints! They should be qualifying for Europe. And uh, that's going to make a real difference to the season. They've got a bit of a clear out. They don't know who's going to start in half these positions. They've got a big summer ahead. Um, a really good club statement came out this last week with the, the chairman, and I think it's the vice chairman, uh, Dave McCormack and and uh, Stuart Milne were talking about what the plans are. So the, the training facilities are going to be built around about September, October. There'll be a huge difference, which means they can maybe attract players they couldn't possibly attract before because you've got real facilities, which is a huge bonus going forward. The stadium will be in like three, four years, something like that. But just having that may make a big difference. They're trying to raise the, the money available to possibly compete. But one of the things they said in that just made me laugh is that to compete financially with Rangers and Celtic over the next five years, they need a cash injection of £250 million. Wow. <laughs> Stuart Mellon builds a lot of homes. Probably yeah, just got that, you know, sloshing around money. somewhere. They've also got, like, Gavin's got the third youngest average age of a team in the SPFL, apparently, according to Scout. Air United's got an average of 24.3, Inverness, Cali Thistles, 24.4. So is Aberdeen, 24.4. I, th- I think there's some stunning talent, Scottish talent coming through. Um, so credit to Aberdeen bringing some young players through. But Hibs have brought through a lot of young talent recently and they finished in the top six this season. But you pitched them, you tipped them for, uh, well, for third place. They just need a, a couple more players, I think. I mean, they are. I think they played a bit nicer football in Aberdeen. It took Aberdeen ages to get into the game yeah. on, the, on the weekend. Um, but Aberdeen have been excellent away from home this year, haven't they? Yeah, but they kind of like they just think they're the best away side. That Hibs Aberdeen game we've seen like ten times over over the past like a few seasons, where Hibs largely played the better football, but are a bit inefficient in taking their chances, and Aberdeen sort of grind it out, have the 
both physically and mentally stronger team. It is mental now, I think. Yeah. And yeah, come on, I mean, and could have won the game by more, which is daft given the the, the way the game went. But you know, the chances they had at the end, the missed penalty, it seems to be like this for pretty much every Scottish club. But it is a huge summer for Aberdeen because it's not just Shinny, it's. I mean, Mackay Stephen might go. Obviously, Stewart's not going to be there. McKenna probably gets McKenna, sold. McKenna, depending. At least McKenna should be a decent transfer fee and give McKenna some more money to work with. You hope so. I think it's big for Hibs as well, though, this summer. Like, Absolutely. Because they've got heaps of players that will be going as well. And they've just lost Mark Milligan, whose contract's been nipped in the bud. Yeah, I when think. you say lost, it sounds like he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. He's, well, he's 33. Austra- I think he's captain of Australia now as well, but I don't well, know where he's going to go. I think but. with Hibs, it's more the lone players that, you know, Omiyonga, what's happening with McNulty, Omionga, um, who did they get in? I mean, it's, it's Heckingbottom's first real transfer window because the January he kind of came in very much towards the end of it yeah. so he yeah, didn't a lot, really it's a lot of Neil Lennon players yeah exactly there. I think so. with a pre-season and a decent transfer structure in place over that summer window I think Hibs could be really good next season it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what they do Easton and Kerr leave it to each other and Steve Davis fires in what could be the crucial goal for Hamilton Ackies on the last day of the season well, in order to secure survival and avoid the relegation slash promotion playoff, St Mirren needed to win at Dundee and hope that Hamilton didn't beat St Johnston. The Buddies did their bit as Hamilton did them a few favours. Jack Hamilton, that is, in the Dundee goal. My God, he had one of the worst goalkeeping games. Not in the first 20 minutes. I thought he'd be oh, okay. safe if you But yeah. But when he yeah, let in all the goals. <laughs> let in is a little bit harsh. He didn't it, let them in on purpose. He was trying. It wasn't exactly a good start for Dundee, we should say. Darren O'Day being sent off after 22 minutes in his last ever game. He's only 32, but he's off to Motherwell uh, the, to become their new youth team coach. The, the touch... That he's he, getting there a bit earlier than I was going to say, the, the, the touch to, to he, where he tried to control the ball, uh, which then led the ball running away from him and him diving in madly to get sent off yeah kind of showed that yeah he's ready for retirement i think <laughs> it's a bit of a lack of awareness he's perhaps. playing in a back four that is let in was it 78 goals stunning it's, right that's absolutely mental this game was one of the most fun i've watched all season the standard was atrocious it, 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 was it does really go to show to that like fun football is often not good football yeah. pinball football yeah <laughs> but it was there was something fun about it because you knew like Dundee didn't have much to play for but even though they were down to nine men at one point they still mm. looked really dangerous on the e- counter even with nine men like the their, Dundee's second goal Scott Wright's goal great, is arguably it? the best piece of football I've seen from Dundee all season is that Scott Wright's goal yeah. the, oh to, what to a finish when, yeah. I, when I watched that goal I thought it was a great first touch but in another angle, he actually makes it harder for himself I I think he to, to, to get the angle. But it, it worked out for him. I, 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 That's, so we were that, that touch, right? So I totally agreed. My pal was saying, oh, what a first touch. And I thought he'd definitely pushed it wide back because yeah, I think you want to tuck it in front of yourself to Absolutely. run straight through. Absolutely. But by pushing it wide, it meant it fit his foot better to finish it to the, to the angle. It's a, it's a great finish. It's like he accidentally had the perfect snooker angle that, to hit that in the bottom corner. It is a bit of a snooker finish, just kind of <laughs> diagonal, straight and true. <laughs> um, Cody Cook hat trick. We've already spoken about uh, Sam Crosgrove and uh, ungainly strikers scoring goals. This is one of the worst hat tricks I think I've ever seen. But uh, <laughs> hold on, fair play to him. His first one, the header, was a good goal. Again, the goalie was like he headed it straight at the goalie who punched yeah. it into the net. But it was good. It was good from um, what was it Paul McGinn? 
Um, one of the many McGinn's to play for St. Mirren. No, no one knows which one's yeah, I thought, which. I thought St. Mirren. I think like they might be able to go to Birmingham and like kidnap John McGinn and just like smuggle him back in, and no one would really know. It finished three-two to St. Mirren, but their efforts were in vain because Hamilton saw off St. Johnston two-nil at New Douglas Park. Ziggy Gordon opened the scoring, guys. It was his last game for Hamilton, or maybe not. Do you think he'll be back? He's off to Dynamo Bucharest. That's cool. This, yeah, I think this is like a a great and interesting move. But it really annoyed me listening to the radio on like Saturday afternoon, and it was typical Scottish of old old man Scottish football man. Why is he going off to Romania? Why why would you want to do that for? It's like he's going from Hamilton to a team that regularly play in Europe, and will get paid more, and will have like you know the life experience of living in a different country. Bucharest is is a kind of stag do destination, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite a good place to go for a night out. I mean, how long do you want to live in a stag do, though? <laughs> <laughs> is, is Ziggy Gordon going clear, on a constant yeah. stag do? I've signed a three-year contract for a three-year stag do. <laughs> you make clear, I'm sure Bucharest is, is lovely, a lovely place to go. Hamilton are never, ever going to go away, are they? No, and I read somewhere that the points total that Hamilton finished on, which was 33, would have qualified them for the relegation playoff spot every year in the last five years. Yeah, it comes back to what we've been saying most of the season, that Hamilton have not been very good, but they've been saved by the fact that Dundee and St Mirren have been even worse. Do you think Hamilton had it a bit easy, though, in their game? Because St Johnston managed zero shots on target. Coming up after the uh, Ziggy Gordon goal, the uh, second Hamilton goal, and this is saying something in a match involving Hamilton, was the worst piece of defending I've seen all season. It was absolutely hilarious. It's like two St. Johnson players, one controls it, and then they both just literally leave it to each other and just stand there as the Hamilton guy just walks in and then goes, oh, thank you very much. I'll, <laughs> I'll dispatch this into the bottom corner now. And uh, yeah, as soon as Hamilton scored the second goal, because at that point, I think St. Mirren had just equalised to go 1-1. And you thought, all right, maybe there's a chance here. And then as soon as Hamilton scored the second goal, that was it. Well, listen, Brian Rice left St Mirren to become uh, Hamilton's manager back in January. He wants the squad to be a lot younger for next season and he's waved goodbye to Doogie Emery. He retires to concentrate on coaching the under-18s. Just by Emery leaving, the average age of the Hamilton team has come down from uh, <laughs> 74 to 25. <laughs> Emery was always like their kind of talisman but he would only score really penalties and stuff like that. I don't know, like, he always he felt like they were the biggest long, threat. Yeah, one long-range pinger a season. But he was one of those guys that would have like 600 shots for the one that would like fly into the top corner. But no, I think like that's the, the one good thing I can say about Hamilton staying in the league is that they are a club that do bring through a lot of good young players before they go to Aberdeen. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, a few more of them might get a chance to, to play Premier League football next season. Well, they have the, they had the under eighteens, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, the, you just said, the, Champions League the likes of Regan Memno, who's only seventeen, has been getting a lot of good opportunities at Hamilton. But anyway, the the, the playoff game between St Mirren and Dundee United, who themselves beat Inverness in the playoffs in the Championship, the Arabs beat St Mirren two one in Paisley in the Scottish Cup fifth round in February. Although Oren Kearney says that the Buddies are a much better side now. St Mirren have been in excellent form since the split. They've won three and drawn two out of their last five. See, I think that just means that they were, not that they're much better now, it's just that they were a lot worse before. <laughs> I know that means the same thing, but they were horrible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And also that run of three wins and, and two draws is 
against the bottom six teams. Yeah, this is the reason we have the split, right? Yeah. So there's much more competition. And as much as that might give them, as we were saying before, momentum and a little bit of a confidence boost, I'm still not entirely convinced that they're that good a team, to be honest. Well, for Dundee United, they've won five of the last six. The one they lost was at Morton on the last day when Robbie Nielsen rested players for the playoffs. So he's going to take this a lot more seriously, isn't he? They've got a bit of momentum as well. They'll be pretty hyped up. I mean, the problem with these one games is it affects your entire next season, obviously, because you play in a different league and it'd be so demoralising to come down. So either they ride the back of that wave of beating Cali or they feel the pressure so badly that they crumble against St Mirren. But you saw St Mirren against Dundee in a game they had to win. Dundee, nothing to play for. And they just didn't have anything in them. It was slow passing, uh, poor first touches. Like defending looked all right. The positioning's all wrong. You can see they're trying to play it from the back the whole time. They couldn't do it. It would be really interesting to see what, how Dundee United approached this because they might start off cautiously to try and get into the game. Obviously, it's two legs. They've got time. But I'd really fancy Dundee United... <laughs> Uh, uh, this this is huge for Dundee United to get back in the Premiership. Yeah, they've been yeah, a few too, years too away long. Now. I mean, the, the there was that sort of period where the Championship was a bit mad because you had all of like Hearts, uh, Rangers, Rangers Hibs, everything there, and Dundee United kind of came down. Just as Hearts went up, just as Hearts and Rangers went up, and uh, yeah, they lost out to Hibs, which is like fair enough. But they've been there, down there a couple of seasons now. And it's it's not been great, but they do seem to have got back on track with Robbie Nielsen. And I they've think, got yeah, a new American owner as yeah, well. It'd be good for the cash. league as well, I think, that if Dundee United are, are back up, because they are one of the, the bigger clubs in the country. And when we talk about like attendances and stuff, we were talking about Kilmarnock earlier on. I know it's great for like every club to get their, their chance and stuff, but I just think it's it's better for the league when you've got like a Dundee United there that can get you know, crowds in the tens of thousands compared to I know Hamilton are staying up, but you know, Hamilton or St Johnston or Livingston they've got, you know, mm-hmm. one thousand, mm-hmm. two thousand crowds. Well the first leg is on Thursday at Tanadice. The second leg will be on Sunday at St Mirren Park. In the promotion relegation playoff in League Two, Cove Rangers have done it. The Highland League side are now in the SPFL and have made Aberdeen a two club city, JJ. I think that's really cool. It's great news, isn't it? I think it's great. Yeah. It's nice. This this pyramid system was set up not too long ago. It's for this reason to give opportunities to Highland and Lowland clubs to get into the the league system in Scotland. Bad for Berwick Rangers, obviously. I think it would be nice if the teams went straight up rather than having a playoff after all that work. Because it's there's teams that aren't going to go anywhere at all who are still sitting in in League Two, and you've got really ambitious Highland. There's good standard of Lowland league teams as well that could come if, through. Especially you know? when like the playoff is finishing seven nil in aggregate to the uh, Highland League team I think questions have to be asked of whether one place is really enough well, you, make, you make a good point because in the English system there's one automatic promotion and then there's one playoff promotion so if there was one automatic and one via the playoffs you know it will create a bit more interest as well as a bit more and excitement you wouldn't even have to necessarily change the system because at the moment the Highland League and Lowland League uh, winners play off against each other so you have the winner of that automatically goes up and whoever loses the playoff Gets the playoff for the for the promotion, so it's still you could still have that game and it's still meaning something, and yeah, you wouldn't have to change everything. Yeah, roundabout. Elsewhere, Alan Johnston has been back in charge of Queen of the South for four games, and he got the job done. Queen survived to stay in the championship, seeing off Wraith Rovers three one on aggregate. Uh, a good job from Alan Johnston, but he needs to have a good job next season 
to keep them in the division again. One bit of good news for him is they've got Stephen Doby signed up for next season. But every other player is out of contract. Not a problem. Basically, they could put Stephen Doby in 10 Scarecrows and that would probably be enough to stay stay up. Goalie tree as well. <laughs> Goalie tree, yeah. <laughs> the return of Goalie tree. Yeah. At Queen I, of the okay, South. Can we change the team of the year and put Goalie tree in goal? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Queens don't have a lot of money, but they've got a little bit of money. I'm certain Doby's on reasonable cash and to stay and I know he doesn't he doesn't need to train every week he's like 38 years old he does not look like a man who trains a lot to be honest <laughs> but he, he he gets the job done he got 42 goals last season it's absolutely phenomenal but um, it's a massive rebuilding job for, for Alan Johnston in January they were in fourth place or whatever fighting for a possible playoff place which they have done in the last three seasons they were in free fall at that point I think they're January. doing really well and then you went to watch them and jinx them yeah, I don't think I'll be welcomed back. <laughs> I think I need to get my dad to sponsor the match ball again before I'm welcomed <laughs> back. Um, but Clyde ended their nine-year stay in League 2 by seeing off Annan Athletic 2-1 on aggregate to gain promotion to League 1. Defender Martin McNiff, great name, said the club should never, ever have been in League 2 and have the facilities of a Premiership club. Well... Considering that Aberdeen have had to train in like Seaton Park for <laughs> the last like thirty years, my local park <laughs> has think, the facilities of a Premiership club. <laughs> do you think McNiff will get a sniff of the Premiership at one stage? I just said that no. purely to use his name. Sorry, Martin. Um, but yeah, well done to Clyde, and I felt sorry for Annan because they're another local team for me. Um, so I feel I feel a bit sad for them. I'm still going to go to the Caspian to have a doner kebab and chips when I go home. Love that place, man. <laughs> Okay, time now to pick our team of the season in the Premiership. <laughs> JJ, Kieran, and I have written these down on our iPad, chalkboards, paper, tablets, mugs. We haven't shown them to each other. <laughs> we'll try to agree on a final eleven for the whole 2018-19 season. We need to start off by um, deciding on a formation, though. So, in your best manager voices, what, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do a four-two-three-one, but mine's more of a, a kind of fluid four-three-three. And really, not formations are just numbers. The formations are only the defensive shape. It depends where on the pitch we are at certain times and what the individual player instructions are for the players. I wanted to bring back the halcyon days of uh, Scottish football and play five up front, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been overruled. Anti Levine so, football. So I've got, I've got four two three one. Yeah, four two three one was what I was keen on. You all right with that? Yeah. All right, sweet. So um, let's start with goalkeeper. Who should go first? I am going to take charge. And give it to Kieran for goalkeeper. Oh, I'm terrible in goals. Don't don't put me in the scene. <laughs> no, who's, who's your pick for uh, the my best goalkeeper, goalkeeper of the season? Is Alan McGregor. I think it's a bit easy to forget in the last few months of the season how good and important he was in the first few months. Won Rangers a lot of points, kept him in a lot of games, and I know this is probably based more on the league, but he was very good in the European run as well. So yeah, I've got McGregor. Honourable mentions for Liam Kelly and uh, Joe Lewis, but McGregor for me. Yeah, JJ, who'd you go for? Uh, my goalkeeper is Graham Shinney. It's not. Uh, I, I think Graham Shinney. Well, Alan McGregor, I think is probably the technically the best keeper in the league, but uh, I think Joe Lewis is the best goalkeeper overall and the most reliable. He's the best at taking things out of the air. He's not been sent off or done things that could have got him sent off several times in the season. Yeah, I think McGregor's great. It's one part of McGregor's mentality that I, I really like and think you want in your team, but it, it spilled over far too much this season. And I think with stronger refereeing, he probably would have been 
sent off a few too many times and wouldn't have had quite the season he's had. That said, he's clearly a very good goalkeeper. But yeah, Joe Lewis has to be there. And Liam Kelly would be just right behind. I think Liam Kelly's a good honourable mention. Joe Lewis, I think, is definitely probably in the top three goalkeepers for me. But I, I'm with Kieran. I, I went for Alan McGregor as well. I, I, I don't think Rangers would be in the position... That they are in in second place with I think from your goalkeeper you want to be earning around about 10 to 15 points from your goalkeeper alone and I think he's definitely done that for Rangers I will accept this decision although I would say Lewis has probably been worth about 10 points to Aberdeen as well but yeah I think McGregor I can I can live with that I can live with him as goalkeeper I wish we had a sound effect for Alan McGregor in goals we can do that in post there you go yeah <laughs> cool Nice one. Moving on to our defenders. Uh, we'll start with the fullbacks. I'll go with JJ this time. We all know who's at right back. Who's that? Well, James Tavernier. <laughs> one Agreed. of the top scorers in Do the Do you league. agree with James? Yep. Okay, I'm going to butt the trend then. What? I don't think it should be James Tavernier. Well, who is then? Um, I went for Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, for Kamarnak. Well, he's obviously the second choice. I don't think I don't think there's been any standout right backs, and I don't think as much as James Tavernier has scored 14 goals in the league this season. 13 of them are penalties. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I've gone for Tavernier. Yes, obviously, the goals tell he sort of hits you in the face. Yeah. Like an Alan McGregor kick. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, a lot of them are penalties. But I just think he's been such an important part of their overall play as well. And yeah, he's still questionable a bit defensively. But yeah, I think he's just overall been been the best. I, I did have a Donald down as the honourable mention. But um, I just think Tavernier, even out with the goals, has all-round contributions, assists... The way he sort of like drives Rangers forward as well, um, I think he's yeah. the best. He's not, really, he's not really a defensive fullback; he's an attacking fullback, which is very important now because that's essentially what the modern fullback is: is a, is a, a secondary winger. And in this team, is going to dominate the league, so you need to have your fullbacks in the wing positions to allow the the wide players to come inside the pitch. Well, I'm, I'm I must be wrong then. I just think Stephen O'Donnell defensively is is solid enough, and he gets forward enough as well. You know, when you consider Kilmarnock's season, um, I think he's been pivotal a, to that. Yeah, great, him, him, and, him and Greg Taylor have uh, I think have the most appearances for Kilmarnock this season. So. Well, yeah. come on to that because my left back is Greg Taylor. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Uh, left back, I think, is a tricky one. Obviously, I think in terms of talent, Tierney is probably the best in the league, but he's been injured too much this season. And because he's when he's played, he's also played semi-injured, so he hasn't been anywhere near his normal level. Uh, Taylor, yeah, went for basically just very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. I think I had to get some sort of Kamarnock representation into my team given the season that they've they've had. Even Clark's talked about how consistent he is and talked him up for Scotland consideration, which could be interesting. Confirming James Tavernier as right back. Who's your left back, JJ? Well, I've written down Max Lowe, <laughs> Aberdeen. I think he's. I, I see a familiar pattern. Why are you laughing? I also put uh, Max Lowe yeah. as my left back well, of the season. He's just expected because I've got two Aberdeen players already. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but, but Lowe is a uh, probably. I think again, technically the best left back that's in the league. I tend to agree. I think I think his pace, his control with the ball at his feet. I think he's I always add, been a threat. Tierney for is the best pl- the best player in this position, I would say. But Max Lowe, without without him, has been the best. The best if, if Kieran Tierney was was fit and had played for most of the season, uh, yeah, okay, we can all agree he would have been in there. But uh, yeah, it's a good debate to have. Taylor's been regular for Kilmarnock, but Max Lowe, who Aberdeen are going to lose in the summer, aren't they? Because he he's might, back he, off to database. So. He might come back. There's talk of that happening. Uh, he has been excellent, and he plays in the left wing as an actual winger sometimes as well for Aberdeen. But it's uh, he's very calm. He's got a, he's improved 
so much since joining. He's clearly grown a lot. He seems to have matured. He's a lot more confident with the ball. He makes runs and he's been more, I think, maybe not vocal on the pitch. He doesn't seem to be very loud and shouting, but you can tell that he gets, he's very determined and he's in amongst it. But I agree with Kieran that Greg Taylor would be the other choice for this position. And if you boys were pushing for Taylor, I would have Taylor, but I think Max Lowe is maybe in there as well. It's difficult. Max Lowe, our left back. <laughs> So centre backs, I've left it to you guys for the for the last um, three players. I'm going to take centre stage. I'm going to start with Christopher Ayer, yes. Celtic. Yes, 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 yes. Pretty much a breakthrough season for him. I think he's been outstanding. Standout performance against Valencia in the Europa League when Celtic went to ten men. And he had to fill in at right back and he was just colossal. Um, I also love when he celebrates tackling people. That's an enjoyable part of football. And I just think he's he's been a standout for Celtic. I think he's the fifth or sixth highest appearance maker for them this season for a 20-year-old is just exceptional. I couldn't disagree with a lot of that. I actually didn't have IR on my team. Um, but the reasoning being more that I felt that when Celtic were on a good run, it was more when Benkovic and Boyata were the centre-back pairing. So yeah. IR has kind of dropped in and out as, as the season has gone on. I can understand that. I can understand that. And the reason I've went for IR instead of the likes of Benkovic and Boyata is, is purely because he's played more games than them. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, haven't yeah. Got, I haven't gone for Benkovic or Boyata because basically, yeah, again, like none of them have played enough games. Um, my two are Halkett. Livingston. Well, that's great because that was my second. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Brilliant. Again, I think like we've talked in the past few weeks about how we haven't talked that much about Livingston in the past few months because they're safe and just there. But again, we have to kind of remember over the broad season how well they did, particularly at the start of the season was incredible. And it was mainly based on their defence, and he mm-hmm. was sort of leader of that. He also scored seven goals for a centre back, which isn't bad. Yeah, he was the joint league top goal scorer, isn't yep. he? And he's obviously got his uh, move to hearts off the back of it. You know, he was part of a Livingston side that kept 14 clean sheets this season, held Celtic to a 0-0 draw twice, they beat Rangers 1-0. And uh, JJ will be happy because my second centre-back is Scott McKenna. Interesting. I wouldn't have him near it. <laughs> well. He's, he's, not, he's nowhere near his best this season. JJ, give us your centre-halves. Chris Iyer, who's the best ball-playing centre-back in the, the league. And I think Celtic will do well to keep him beyond next season, if they even can, during the summer. And uh, Craig Halkett at Livingston. Wow, so we're all yeah. almost yeah. in agreement. It's funny, because Scott McKenna would normally be, I, th- I think he's just a great player, but there's something that's happened to him this season, whether it's because he's been so exposed by having no midfield in front of him, or not a reliable partner next to him, it's been constant for most of the season. There's been a lot of pressure on McKenna, hasn't there? Because yeah. after last summer, when there was bids from the likes of Celtic and Aston Villa, I think, yeah. put, put a three and a half million bid in for him, that speculation, it's very hard to not uh, kind of get to your head a little bit. So he's 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 had an okay season, though. Maybe, but I don't think they think about this one on the pitch. I think there's just been a few things that have shown up where his limits are and where mm-hmm. certain things he can definitely improve on. And I wonder whether the only way he can improve is by having better players around him to take him up to the next level. I think other other centre-halves that have had good seasons, likes of uh, John Suter at Hearts, who, who was hindered with, with injury. He's another great player, yeah. Um, you had Connor Goldson, who, who I, I think is a good centre-half. I think Goldson started well and then sort of faded a little bit. Agreed, yeah. yes. Yeah. I agree, like, on Suter and Berra, just, like, didn't play enough games. Again, I mean, I can't like, argue at all with Ayer. I was just sort of trying to 
prioritise over those that had played like a, a large number of minutes. So let's uh, move on to our midfielders, guys. So we've got two to fill in a defensive role and then three to sit behind the, the centre forward. I know the one that we've all got, definitely. Callum McGregor, right? I have Callum McGregor. I have Callum McGregor. It's got so to be Callum is, McGregor. I think, yeah. Well, it's pretty much after Scott Brown got injured, he almost took the role into his own. Do you agree? Like phenomenal number of games he's played this season. <clears throat> when you take into fact he's like played all the Celtic qualifiers, he played all the Scotland games. He's yeah, pretty much been never present. This was um, his sixty sixth competitive appearance after the Hearts win at the weekend. Yeah, mental for club and country. He's also played. 2,494 passes which doesn't mean an awful lot but it is 300 more than his closest competitor Scott Brown wow. and uh, I think that's 500 more than third place which is James Tavernier Absolute standout um, Who's your other players guys? Well one other one who I think we might all have in but it's whether you play him as one of the two or one of the three behind the striker Turnbull Yes I have Turnbull in behind the striker for me Yep, he's the 10, yeah. I think stunning breakthrough young player 15 um, goals. in the midfield. 15 goals in 30, <laughs> in 30 games. I know he's got a few penalties, but I mean, for Motherwell, that's just like an incredible Man, record. he could be... I mean, Motherwell will definitely have people wanting to buy him in the summer. They want like a club record fee, but if he was playing for a team in championships, easily worth 15 million straight away. Like we talked about it last week, I think. But I don't know what they'll get offered for him. Well, I think their highest offer was 1.5 million for Phil O'Donnell went to Celtic so it would have to be in the region of two and a half to three maybe even four I mean why don't I, I just I think it's upsetting that some Scottish clubs feel like you know English clubs can come in and maybe put in these three million offers and get a good player like John McGinn John McGinn's probably yeah. a 10 million 12 million pound player now but they can that's just the market isn't it they can, of course. They can do that if but, they could keep him and build around a little bit they lost Jake Hasty already but they could do something okay next season if they manage to build a little bit with some experience around these young guys. Yeah, but yeah, you have to have David Turnbull in, who's been absolutely brilliant. He's so a, he's a fantastic player. Only Morelos and Cosgrove have scored more Premiership goals than Turnbull this season. But moving on, I'm going to throw one in here. Uh, Gary Dicker from Kilmarnock, I think, has been an excellent player for them. Can sit in at centre half if needed and breaks up the play tremendously well for a guy in his thirties. Next to Alan Power, he, he certainly makes that midfield his own. I think if he was next to Callum McGregor, that's a good team. I had both Power and Dicker in my honourable mentions nice. but on my midfield. Um, yeah, I think almost they maybe suffer a bit from having each other, that like there's not one outstanding Komarok midfielder, if you mean, mm-hmm. it's such a, a team effort. I And this is a very attacking midfield. My third midfielder was Scott Arfield. Um, yeah. He's had a good season. 11 goals, um, goals in sort of important games as well. I think he's he is another one who maybe started a bit slower, but then came on strong really as the season went on. Yeah. But I wouldn't argue again like other people had down as potentials were like Shinny and Ferguson at Aberdeen and yeah, the Kilmarnock too. So I also really liked Arfield. There was one Rangers game that was televised where the camera was inside the tunnel, and all you heard was Scott Arfield come out of the change room and go like, "Let's get." F- into the lights. <laughs> um, he is he is someone who certainly is a bit of a leader and I, I love that absolutely love that see I was thinking maybe you could play Arfield on one of the wings to get him in the team but he's been excellent for Rangers in behind Morel facilitating the, the that's why when, when yeah. you asked, we brought up I was asking about Turnbull because I was like uh, I would have to have one of Arfield or Turnbull as the two to have you can have them in if you want yeah. it's very attacking you play like a Man City style with the two roaming eights and the in the midfield. Well, rattling on, guys. Well, I've not had my third midfielder yet. Yeah. Rattling on. 
Yeah. Well, Graham, on. We all know it's Graham Shinney. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, sir, it is not Graham Shinney. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love Graham Shinney and believe he is one of the best players I've ever seen at Aberdeen, he's been great this season. I was really torn between putting in one of Alan Power or Gary Dicker uh, with Lewis Ferguson, who has come from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Was great in the in Europe for Aberdeen. Was absolutely key in the cups as well. Oh, when he scored his first goal, first professional goal against Burnley. Yeah, oh, a bicycle kick. kick. Yeah, stunning. So that that's been great all season. But he's also he's got the mentality that you need in a team to do better. And he's had to, to run the midfield on his own a lot of the time because he's been playing next to Shinny, who runs about just all over the pitch. Like yeah, Kante. I think I th- for me. I, I, He's not effective enough for me. I don't think he dictates games as as much Doesn't as maybe Graham Shinney yeah. uh, maybe does. He 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 does all the the naughty things, and I, I kind of felt not let down. That's not, but I thought I think his performance was let down when he played Celtic in the semi final. Yeah, and he he absolutely crunched Tom Rogic, and the way he walked off, I was just like. It's not very classy for me. You've seen Scott Brown play football before, right? <laughs> <laughs> also not very classy. Well, that's, it's basically the same thing, except he's dead young. And uh, you can see him, he's going to have that winning mentality that you need. Uh, I think Ryan Jack would have been close to getting in as well. He's been excellent he's been in a, this run for Rangers recently. Absolutely. And had Glenn Kamara been at Rangers early in the season, he would probably have been one of my first choices. For the pure balance of the team, I'd be quite happy to give it to Dicker because he's more of a natural in that too. Yeah. Bit of minus playing next let's, to Callum McGregor. Let's go with Dick. I do think Arfield's been fantastic, but then I think what Killy have achieved is probably it's well beyond what they should. Whereas Rangers have done what they should have done, and Arfield's n- not been nailed down to one position. So yeah. let's go with Dicker. So the other two behind the striker, the wingers. Yep. Uh, I think one will be unanimous. Forrest. James Forrest. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. James Forrest. Um, great season. Player picked of up, the year. Picked up Player of the Year awards. A fine lad. Yeah. No neck, but other than that, a fine lad. <laughs> no neck, but he does have 22 goals and 22 assists this season for club and country. Um, he was the player's player and football writer's player of the year. So if he's not in your team of the year, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's got to be right wing, surely, Forrest. Uh, left wing, um, this will be difficult. Like I said, I was torn between putting maybe Scott Arfield there just to get him in the team. But I think, for me, I have to have Ryan Kent... Agreed, that's what I heard. Ryan Kent for me as well. He's a very, very good player. I've just read today that Rangers are trying to take him in for next season. They've they've started discussions with Liverpool. Yeah, um, they value him quite highly, but they've got their best pal, Steven Gerrard, there. It could possibly be a money loan deal, perhaps. Where's all the money? So, Where are they getting his money yeah, from? Yeah, I mean, I think from what I've heard, that Rangers are kind of hoping that something happens with Kent, but not expecting. So that's why they've already signed... Uh, Hasty Jones and pretty much Stuart like yeah. Gerard almost admitted yesterday. Do you think they'll try and engineer Kent to try and start that move? Do you think Kent might be the, well, the key the, to, to, to try and convince Liverpool to let him Kent come back? Kent will be a classic example, I think, of where sometimes now with the English transfer window finishing before the rest of Europe, including Scotland, where they'll wait and see. I don't think they'll get Kent confirmed in the next few months, but they'll kind of wait and see what happens until August. And if he hasn't gone somewhere else, either 
permanently yeah. or I think there's every chance that Liverpool try and load him to like a lower half of the table Premier League club to give him the Premier League experience if he's still at Liverpool then there's every chance they might get him towards the end well of he's um, he was the young player of the year wasn't he Ryan Kent took yeah. that for David Turnbull which I didn't think was right I think Turnbull was the best young player of the year for me some notable uh, mentions for the for those positions that we haven't, we haven't talked about Matty Kennedy at St Johnston had a great season yep Ryan Christie, had he not picked up injuries, would almost certainly be in this team. Yeah, but again, that would have been more the... Because I think he's really excelled this year as a central midfielder rather than a way coming in off the wing. Well, but yeah, I say, agree. it's a fluid midfield. The three can, <laughs> the three can interchange. Greg, Greg Stewart could have fit into there. If he'd, if stayed, he'd stayed, stayed Greg Stewart, before January, would would probably have been in there. Yeah, yeah maybe Rory McKenzie as well from Kilmarnock. He's, he's been quite a good player. I think but, Conor but, but McLennan's been really important for Aberdeen this season. He's kind of came through more from January, hasn't he? But um, Chris Burke as well, Achille, has done loads for them. That yep. wing. Scored a good goal against Rangers on, on Sunday, didn't he? Um, right, guys. Striker. Are we all going to be agreeing on this one? <laughs> I doubt it. Really? Okay. My one is because I think this guy is, you know, it, he is the most expensive player in the Scottish football history, but I think he's had a really underrated season. I've gone for Edward. So if he's oh, had a ba- if he's if he's had an underrated season, you're rating him. You're rating him. And you are part of Yeah, the I year. think I think like generally in terms of like he wasn't in team of the year or like player of the year conversation type thing. Um but actually in the big games, he's showed up basically like the the two games Celtic won against Rangers uh, at home he sets up the goal the winning goal in the first one the second one he scores and assists the goal he completely changed that Boxing Day game against Aberdeen when he came on um, as a sub and like scored and helped set up three goals in the last ten minutes mm-hmm. um, scored late winners against Dundee and Hearts early in the season Rogers kind of admitted that he'd had to play him way more than he was expecting because Dembele left and didn't get a replacement so he was like shouldering a, a huge burden of minutes and stuff and Lee Griffiths yeah Griffiths not being there if you extend it out to like the European campaign Celtic didn't have a great European campaign but like he probably showed up better than anyone that, that, that Red Bull Salzburg goal in the first half I think yeah, they, they lost 2-1 but yeah and he also scored goal. the winner against Leipzig in the, the sort of best result Celtic had in Europe this season um, so yeah so I've gone for, for also Ed- on Edward basically Kieran Canning wow coming on to your sort of thinking of McGregor I didn't put Morellis in because I just thought you can't put him in because he's too much of a liability like you can't you can't reward someone who's been sent off five times in a season well JJ who are you rewarding for their efforts this season up front. Stevie May. <laughs> You're at it, aren't you? Yes. Uh, not Stevie May. <laughs> I, I've put down Morelos. He finished top scorer despite only playing about eight games. The mentality thing is weird, so it doesn't. It, it's not consistent with what I said about McGregor earlier on, but I don't know who's a better... I don't think Edward's a great nine. I think he's still young and he will be much better in a couple of years, but I don't think he's one of the best players of the season. I mean, he sort of is because he is a very good player, but I don't think he played above himself particularly. You could have a look in here and say, I mean, Sammy Cosgrove scored a stupid amount of goals considering how not very good at football he is. You saw it even on the Hibskin <laughs> the weekend. His first touch is diabolical. His, his first touch for the goal he's scored yeah. is hilariously bad. He's the first one. The second one came off his shin and rolled away and he managed to get up to it. But he still scores him in that many goals and that's a hard thing to find a player who can do it. Fair play to McInnes for working out that Cosgrove would be able to score these kind of goals. But you'd have to have... Morelos in there. Well, I have the designing vote then, don't I? You do, yeah. So, Alfredo Morelos makes our team of the year. How are we going to train this team to like play with 10 men for like well, so we are, five minutes a game? We are going to train them for nine men. We've got McGregor and goals. So, we've got oh, yeah. McGregor and, uh, and Morelos. So we've got substitutes as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, okay, so this is our team of the season. In goals, Alan McGregor. (sighs) (sighs) Full backs at right back, it's James Tavernier. (sighs) Then we've got Max Lowe at left back. (laughs) And then centre backs are Christopher Ayer and Craig Halkett. Halkett, yeah. And then, uh, come on, Kieran, get in on this. Oh, sorry. We've got Callum McGregor Woo! and Gary Decker in midfield. Wow. This is like the start of a match, isn't it, when they announce the... It's the, exactly yeah. the same. I, yeah. think, so, I think you should actually be just doing the first names and we'll shout the second names. Like okay, do, yeah. let's do this for three behind the striker. It's James... Shinny! And it's David... McGregor! And it's Ryan... Fraser! <laughs> Right, James Forrest, David Turnbull, Ryan Kent. You're ruining yeah. it. You're ruining it. To be clear, James Forrest is right wing, and Ryan <laughs> Kent on the left. And then up front, we've got Alfredo, the Buffalo Morelos. Yeah, oh. red card. <laughs> off, 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 off. That's it from us. This is my last show of the season. Why? Yeah, I'm going off to sunny Spain. Because my peely wally skin needs um, some some sunshine. So, so any burglars listening? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Anyway, JJ, you'll be back next Monday. Sure will. You'll be looking after my hot seat for the last pod of the season. Will Celtic do the treble, treble, or will Craig Levine have a good laugh at their expense? We'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.